birthday card. I'm forgetting we're not in Kansas anymore. Wish I knew how Queens is it? I'm gay. You can't love yourself. How in the hell are you gonna love somebody else? Can I get an amen? Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. Gay card revoked. Hi, I'm Rob Schneider. My pronouns are he, him. And I'm Robbie Roselle. My pronouns are also he, him. And welcome to Gay Card Revoked. Uh, it's we, gone. Revoked. It's, just like democracy. Truly. <laughs> no, it. it's no. <laughs> Fuck that. Democracy is here. You know what's revoked? All the fucking senators who voted against it yesterday. Fuck you. That was uh, an incredibly harrowing, scary time. I'm assuming you you watched yeah, I was blue? designing a cast album, but also just refreshing the New York Times every three seconds mm. for $35 a month. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, because it was the soap opera that did not end for me. It was, it was a nightmare. It was intense. Did you stay all the way up to get the certification? Like three no, in the morning? I like myself. Good. And uh, you were probably awake because you're over. You're in California right now. I'm, so. Yes, I'm over in, in Los Angeles right now. I'm over in yeah. L.A., beautiful L.A. I was saying to you before we went on the air, I'm very excited because this hotel, this fancy Best Western, is where they filmed The Prom. So yeah. I, I just do Barry's Going to Prom on my bed consistently, and I'm sure my neighbors are loving it. I actually think you'd They're be asking for requests. Barry. Thank you. Thank you. You are one queer. Um, so that helps. <laughs> so already a step in the right direction. Hey, you know, sp speaking of queer, you know, this podcast is about queer things. I don't know if you yeah, knew that. A little bit. A little bit. We I don't know if you knew that. Happy 2021. I hope happy you had a good new year. I, um, I did. Are. I did. I had a wonderful did you watch year. Any, did you watch any of the holiday specials that we talked about? I, you know what? You know what I did. You're gonna kill me. I went right back to the Brady Bunch Christmas again, just to, and I skipped all the way just to watch uh, Robert Reed coming out of the condemned building while Florence Henderson was singing. So oh, I just kind of watched. <laughs> <all> faithful, joyful, <laughs> and triumphant. Um. So oh, here's the thing. She's not yeah. alive anymore, right? She, no, she, she died. She, a couple she passed. Years ago. Yeah, the building fell saw... down on her. No one was there to sing. <laughs> Because why isn't she just standing outside the Capitol building right now oh. saving us all? <laughs> That's really what we need. Florence yes. Henderson, you left Flo. us on our time. Flo, you bring left your, us. Bring your personality out. Sing at the Capitol. He yeah, left I us. You left us in our time of need. Um, so, folks, today to start the new year off right and to, mm -hmm. to cleanse the palate of the past couple of days in this crazy world that we're living in, we're going to talk about one of our favorite movies, mm -hmm. and that is mm -hmm. the first Wives Club. First Wives Club, nineteen ninety six. The first Wives Club. Robbie, who who stars in the first Wives Club? <laughs> Three heavy hitters. Mm -hmm. We got. Bette Midler, we got Goldie Hawn, and we got Diane Keaton and her turtlenecks. What more could you want? Lottie da, Lottie da, Lottie da, Lottie da, la la la. However, we still have Sarah Jessica Parker and Soccer Channing, Elizabeth Berkeley in her Showgirls Redemption moment, Marsha Gay Harden, Bronson P. Show. It is uh, a who's who of who cares in this <laughs> film, and I am here for all of it. <laughs> Maggie Smith, Dame Maggie Smith, didn't even mention her. Yeah, Dame she's Maggie the fourth Smith. build and the 27th person I named. She's <laughs> she, That shows you how star-studded this movie from 1996 yeah. is. And folks, uh, to walk us through 
the wonderful The First Wives Club, is one of my favorite people. Um, he is one of the funniest people you can follow on social media. And if you click into our uh, description of today's episode, you'll be able to follow him on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. It's totally worth it. Um, he's also the author of a fantastic book called Small Talk, A Thousand Bits of Stuff and Nonsense. Also very, very funny. It is the fantastic Professor Casey R.T. Graham. Casey, how are you doing today? I am so good. How are you? Good. So, um, we're Casey, we're hoping that our listeners of the podcast have watched the First Wives Club prior to oh. turning on today's episode. But if they haven't, in a little nutshell... What is the story of the first wives club? Oh, uh, okay. So you've got three wives who have been left for younger women. Their husbands have moved on. They are sort of struggling in life. Um, it's kind of floating along and they're going to find themselves. They're going to hook up together after a tragic accident of one of their friends from college. And they're going to find themselves and reclaim and rebuild their lives. That's Set against the backdrop of 1990s Manhattan. And let's talk about our first celebrity cameo. Who plays their friend that ends up uh, dying tragically? Oh, it was the lovely stalker Channing. Now, folks, I have to tell you, I've I've known Casey for a long time, and he's a he's a brilliant director. He's a brilliant. <laughs> I know uh, exactly where this is going. Author, um, but he's also a brilliant impressionist. And uh, one of my favorites is the very niche stalker Channing impression that you do. Can you set this up for us, Casey, and, and give it a whirl? It's Probably my favorite soccer training moment ever is in the West Wing. I can't give you the season or the episode, but um, it's when I think it's when President Barla is mulling over running again. And, you know, of course, she doesn't want him to because spoiler alert. And she's sitting in the, the White House kitchen. And for some reason, this like beautiful piece of dialogue, probably the most perfect piece of dialogue Aaron Sorkin has ever written, comes tumbling out of her mouth. And she says, I'm sitting here eating a sandwich because we had a deal. Yes! And it doesn't make a lot of sense, but there's such commitment to it that I, I'm, I'm obsessed. We had a deal speech. Is, we had a deal. It's perfect. <laughs> I just don't know what the sandwich has to do with anything. Who cares? It's like it's like Valerie Cherish eating that entire cake while just trying to learn how to say, I don't need to see that. So let's let's talk a little history of the First Wives Club. So uh, before it was this movie in 1996, it was based on a novel. Push by Sapphire, um, <laughs> by, they, by they updated a lot. They updated, they updated um, it. By this, changes. Maybe a little, couple of changes by an author named Olivia Goldsmith. And uh, the way that this story works apparently is that the book, even before it had been published, was getting some sort of buzz amongst mm -hmm. people, and they decided to just buy the rights to the book before it had even been released to the public. And Luckily, they did. And then a couple of years later, they make the movie. I am a Bette Midler stan, uh, second and foremost, always. I loves me the Gypsy. I loves me the For the Boys, the Beaches, the Outrageous Fortune, the Big Business, previous episode with Todd Buonapane, um, the Hocus Pocus, like the whole oofa, if you will, of Bette Midler lives inside my stupid brain all the time. Um, I love listening to her sing half a tone under at all times and sliding up to a note. <laughs> I love because she's truly like the last vaudevillian female star that we have who can like give you a vaudeville joke mm. with a wink, but fully stay committed to the character at the same time. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I just love that some acting coach told her, what if you opened your eyes 
on every line. Just like pop them. I just love it. I'd like jump I, out of my chair every time. You know, Kate, Casey's uh, husband was in Hello Dolly. Shut the fuck up. Right? Can we can we say he that? He was, yeah. He did the whole Broadway run and the whole tour run until it closed for COVID. Are we going to talk about the fact that we just saw him in a Hello Dolly apron yes. at the top Merch. of this? I, I, folks, I, I wish you could have seen this. Casey was waiting to do a bit so that when the Zoom turned on, his husband wearing a Hello Dolly apron was doing his makeup. That is, that is, how long have you and your husband been together? Uh, 14 years. I do think you should hide all of your flaws for one year. Mm. Like, mm. try to be the best person you can possibly be for one year and then, like, let them out little by little, like breadcrumbs. That's because yeah. by then they're like stuck in use and they'll, they'll deal with things little by little. But I think that's so beautiful. I consciously hid all of my worst flaws for a year. That, I have no flaws, so I was going to say still going strong. We're all we're all kind of perfect. So what? So what's the point, Casey? When when was the first time that you saw First Wives Club? I don't know. I don't know that I remember the very first time. I'm sure I saw it at home with my parents, but I remember I was in college, so it had to have been like 1999 ish, 2000, and I was making a quilt, and I rented the DVD and I watched it like for a 24 hour period, just on repeat as I like made this little quilt in my apartment. So I know that like, that's when I fell in love with it. <laughs> it was I, just a 24 hour binge. This was I, like one of my, my favorite first date movies because like if I was like, come over and watch oh, yeah. a movie and if they could live through the movie, we could do it. That's, that's really sweet. What I've never thought of that, a date movie. Yeah. So that's like what tests the relationship? Yeah, because if they get it, you get it. I, yeah, so I, I saw it when I was, I think, probably in high school. And what I loved about the movie, besides these three fantastic, brilliant actresses, is I was such a theater nerd, but I wasn't able to go to New York. So to see all these people that I knew were involved in the Broadway community and to actually see them acting, for me, was like the biggest thrill of all. But to see, you know, Victor Garber and to see mm-hmm. Stephen Collins before, you know, everything went down there. Or Deborah Monk. I remember that Deborah, <laughs> that, if you remember, Deborah Monk was in that commercial all the time. Where she where she's crying that her uh, her lesbian lover has left her, and I was oh, like, yes, that's, yes, yes. I was like, that's she's Deborah butch. Monk. Yeah, she's Butch. That was like the commercial that they always played. Deborah Monk weeping, and I was like, I'm in hundred and ten percent. So that's how I first uh, fell in love with this movie, uh, and then you're, it, it becomes. We'll talk about it, but it becomes part of your gay DNA. I think one of the things that really helps that though is that uh, the screenplay was uh, written originally by Robert Harling, who also wrote the first thing we talked about on this podcast, which was Soap, soap Dish. dish. As well as that first episode. As well as Sim the iconic. Which has to be coming up on your podcast, right? Oh, we have to talk about Sam Magnolia. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And we'll we'll cover them all. We'll cover the movie, the play, the, <laughs> the, the remake. remake. Yeah. The, the, the revival, the Broadway revival. Folks, if you want, if you want to have some interesting things to watch, go onto YouTube. I think you can find this. We'll post the link. Did you know in 1990 they made a Steel Magnolias pilot? Yeah. And they were going to do it as a TV show. Yeah. Who played Weezer? In the TV show? Yes. Elaine Stritch. Very good. Elaine Stritch. Let's talk about these three ladies. What do we like about them, and how do they speak to us as as gay men? So let's let's dissect them a little bit if we shall. Let's talk about Brett Midler some more because I love Bette Midler. She plays Brenda Morale Cushman. What do we like about Bette Midler's character? Well, she delivers every line like it's going to bring the curtain down at the end of Act One, <laughs> like every <laughs> piece of dialogue. So it is my opinion that 
the first wives club people they the other two goldie hawn's character and diane keaton's character would both be like real housewives of new york right but bet midler is year one bethany frankel who didn't <laughs> quite have the money yet but was trying and just doing her best and that is my opinion and she's perfect for it it's like chef's kiss okay well, great. And, and i think i identify with her a little bit because she's like kind of like schlubby New Yorker who has kind of glamorous friends, which is how yes. I feel. And I, and I love it. There's that character in there mm-hmm. to bounce off of. So we've given a lot of love now to Bette Midler. <laughs> Let's talk about one of my favorite actresses of all time. It is the great Diane Keaton. Please. Who plays... Oh, my God. Oh. Who no, plays no one Annie. plays better well, than Diane Keaton. Truly. It is also, the, just a plug, if you don't follow her on Instagram, you should immediately follow her on Instagram. Why? What goes on her, on it's her Instagram? Banana, it's just bananas. It's like a window into her life, and it's absolutely crazy. Is she just selling her wine a lot? No, she's just, like, taking you on tours of her closet. And yeah. during quarantine, she, like, took all her stuff to donate. But, of course, everything's closed, so she, like, documents the whole trip and then, like, has to throw it all back in her car. It's just, like, crazy. What, she donated old gloves? <laughs> it's all, like, gray and brown <laughs> knee-length boots. There is no human who likes to be covered with more clothing than our Diane Keaton. Layers. She, she like, pioneers layers. Truly. She does. Without, like, she's the closest to being in a burka without wearing a burka. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And you often are like, why didn't you just opt for the burka? Um, Burka and a bowler. Right? She she would put a hat on top of it. Burka and a bowler. And then gloves. Hey, for kind of Buller is actually the name of my next solo show. <laughs> I'm, I'm writing yeah. it down. <laughs> but then we also have Goldie Hawn oh. as Elise, the Oscar, or the is she an Oscar winning? Yes, yes. An Oscar winning actress who also has a People's Choice Award, which is yeah. lands a very good joke. I do have a merch idea for you if you ever want it. Hey, I'm listening. What, what is it? We're here. Just the not famous lines from famous movies. Just not famous lines from famous movies. Great. Just like things that are just like throwaways. I'm eating a sandwich because we had a deal. Because <laughs> we had a deal. Oh, pizza! My favorite line exactly, from this exactly. entire film movie. <laughs> what's what, what's your favorite niche. line? Or, your size. <gasps> pizza! Elizabeth Berkeley, <laughs> who is, she? He, she's uh, the new girlfriend of, um, and the mistress of uh, Victor Garber, right? Who yes. Looks yeah. 35, but is 22 in the movie. And playing 16. But definitely looks like mid-30s. Well, I mean, she, like Judy Garland, has always uh, looked old. But she got the job because, is it, was it Diane Keaton? It was Diane Keaton or Goldie Hawn uh, thought she needed a redemption from Showgirls. And yes, I'm, that's not even a no, joke. And so they were like, here, take this bit part and do something with it. And she does. Like, I mean, I, I think all three mistresses are great. Because Marcia right. Harden's Marcia Gay Harden is, is the third. You can't beat her. Yeah, you're right. She like, just disappears listen, early in the film. This movie is stacked, is what we're saying. And there's like theater cameos galore. Walter Bobby shows up for two seconds to deliver a great line. He's, he is the gentleman making love to his wife, right? As they come plummeting down the window. Mm-hmm. And fun fact, it actually goes more stories than there are in the building <laughs> that it's filmed in. But it just stops for a second. And the Walter Bobby and whoever he's making love to stop because they hear 
crazy screaming from outside named Diane Keaton. Um, <laughs> and they just, they, they see Goldie Hawn as Oscar winner Elise and they go, you look great. And she goes, what? You look great. She mouths thank you and they continue to plummet. And it is, that is the psych gag jokes that I'm here for in this movie. Okay, Please. gentlemen, can I ask you a question? Which of these three ladies would you like to be your gay best friend? You can only pick one. I think I'd pick Diane Keaton hmm. because of her organizational skills. <laughs> <laughs> All those newsletters. Yeah. Oh, you know, she's, you she's know on that it. her character still writes those Christmas like. And you know, she writes them from the point of view of the family dog. Yes. All about it. It's weird. Well, it's None of us chose Maggie Bible. Smith. Oh, <laughs> who has not aged a day since like 1948. She's been 60 for 60 years. Since the Prime of Machine Brody. Yeah, I, I love it. Yeah. She's she the looked. same person. Just like slow, talking slower. I, each. I also love Maggie Smith's name in this movie. <laughs> Ganilla Garson Goldberg. Garson Goldberg. <laughs> yep. What I love about this casting director is they got this. She's a wealthy New York socialite. Her name is Ganilla Garson Goldberg. This casting director goes, Maggie Smith. <laughs> We mm-hmm. have not mentioned the ex-wife of a certain uh, traitor to the country who has Ugh. a very good line at the end of this film. She does. Uh, uh, Ivana Trump. And her, her line is? Uh, don't get mad. Get everything. <laughs> Gentlemen, yeah. let me ask you a question. Uh, we have three different husbands that pop up in this movie. Uh, let's imagine that you could go on a date with one of these men, we're going to imagine that now all of a sudden they're gay just by waving our hands. Uh, which one would you want to go with? Victor Garber's sexy. Yes. Thank mm-hmm. you. <laughs> I think he's very I sexy. I guess I'd go, with, I, I'd go with Morty. You would go with Morty. Well, just because the other one might still be in prison. I don't know if he's still in prison. <laughs> a, you're hedging your bets is really what you're doing. Yeah. I don't know if Stephen Collins is still in prison. Or was he ever in prison? <laughs> there was a moment where it was dodgy. So I'll go with Morty. <laughs> Morty! Oh, you're not talking about the character, but Stephen Collins. I mean, he, it's he true. would be my first choice, but I, but with reservations. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. I would also go for Morty. He looks like a fun guy. Yeah, and he comes around at the end a little bit. He does. Or if all of yeah. these guys are unavailable, I'm going to go for Uncle Carmine. Why wouldn't you? Philip Rosco? Come on. <laughs> I would make a move. I would make a move on him. Come on. um, What are our favorite scenes from this movie? What are some of the iconic scenes that we always go back to? Lita Laria and Deborah Monk. And uh, she's with me. Uh, (laughs) One more time, please. (laughs) She's with me. Thank you so much. Uh, This movie is so deep in in guest stars and cameos. Like not since The Muppet Take Manhattan have there been this many. Are you kidding? Greg Edelman cameos. is there. James Naughton, Heather Locklear, J.K. Simmons, Oscar winner. I know from half a scene. Kate Burton as Woman in Bed with <laughs> Walter Bobby. Kathy Lee Gifford. Yes. Lee Gifford. Do you know the Kathy Lee Gifford story on this? There was a little. There was a scene where um, uh, Kathy, uh, one of the characters, goes up to Kathy Lee and is like, "Where's Frank tonight? Her husband?" And she's like, "Oh, home with Cody." And I think it's Bette Midler's character who goes, "Yeah, sure," uh, and gives her a wink. And it was very playful. And then uh, it was announced oh, that, that he was having an affair. And they cut that. They cut that. Now, 
I believe that Goldie Hawn was not the first choice for her role, right? It was Jessica Lange. So how do we, how, what do you think the movie would have been like if we had put her in there instead of Goldie Hawn? I think it would have I been think, darker. What? Yeah, I think the balance would yeah. have been off. I think oh. you wouldn't have had a third comedic actor who, because I feel like all of their comic energies are so different, mm-hmm. but work together really well. Mm-hmm. And Jessica Lange's energy is just slyer, I think. The f- film, being a female-driven film, ended up grossing $181 million worldwide. And uh, typically, these kinds of movies aren't made because nobody goes to girl movies, right? Um, and yet, there have not been copycats of it. And why do you think that it is? Until Bridesmaids, really. Like, there wasn't another huge female-driven comedy. I think at that time... It- Right after we had had all these like very strong female movies in the 90s, right? Because we had this, we had A League of Their Own, um, Mm -hmm. Sister Act, yeah. And then all of that started to shift when we started getting like the Adam McKay, Will Ferrell, and then it was like the boys' time. Now it's the Judd Apatow's. Yeah, the Judd Apatow's. Now it's going to be about like the 40 year old virgin, Anchorman. And that humor sort of pervaded for a long time. Have they ever tried to remake this film? Have they ever tried to remake it? It was a TV, there either was or is a TV version. Netflix was going to do think, a series yeah. based on it, right? Mm, but they yeah. didn't end up making it. I don't think it happened. And there was talk about a a, a, a sequel. And that never yeah. happened. Yeah. I mean, I think it'd be fun to take the, th- the three young characters where you can throw Stalker Channing in there too and do like an origin story. Oh, yeah. But with their voices dubbed yes. over like the beginning. Yes. <laughs> so we still get them. Wait, well, how animated... That. How are we this far in the podcast that we've not <laughs> talked about the dubbing? Can somebody so play, good. explain this? Explain what happens. I don't think there is an explanation. <laughs> <laughs> They'll just come in for I ADR. think it was producers. They, like, they won't know who they are. Scott Rudin was like, no, you don't sound like Stalker Channing. Kill yourself. Stalker, grab the mic. You, were, you played a You're lip-syncing to Stalker. Go for it. Casey, was that you? Did you do all of Stockard's work? I did, actually. Um, why do you think that this movie uh, has been able to sustain itself since 1996? What is that? Tw- I'm so bad with almost... It's 25 this year. You are- what? Really? It's the same age as Goldie Hawn's lips, I think, next year. <laughs> oh, that's another great line. If you, uh, she's pulled so tight, she can blink her lips. And your lips. Every I, I, I maintain, I think this movie is the most quotable movie ever written. Partly because of the writing and partly because every one of them just delivers the line like it's their last breath. What, what, <laughs> what are some of your favorite quotes? What are the, some uh, of the things that you live by in this movie? Fork. <laughs> Maggie Smith. This stuff's restaurant quality. You know, like it's just chocked full of them. Oh, the little, the little My Fair Lady scene where she's teaching her, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jackie O had one just like it. Oh, basically anything Maggie Smith's involved in. You think uh, it's because I'm a movie star, I don't have feelings. Well, you're wrong. I'm an actress. I've got all of them. That's a great line. It's great. And, um, and the Guns N' Roses line is classic, too. Have, have there you, are only three ideas for women in Hollywood. Oh, yes. Who? Guns N' Roses? <laughs> so good. Can, can can you open your eyes a little bit wider, Robbie? <laughs> Guns and that's, Roses? That's it. You know, I, very quickly, I want to just 
plug a Bette Midler movie. I don't even know if we're ever going to talk about it on here, but it's one of my favorites. Do you guys remember Something for the Boys? Um, where she's the USO singer? For the Boys? For, for the, the boys. boys. Sorry, for the yes. boys. Yes. my favorite Oscar duet. For it. Oh, wait, what one? I remember, I remember you. you. I'd like to say, yeah. Wait, if you do, if you do James Conn, I'll do my Bette Midler for oh, you. Oh, gosh, I don't know if I know what that will, but we'll see. I remember you. I'd like to say that you're, you're in my dreams. dreams. I don't remember his part. I only sang her part. You're usually <laughs> dead without a head. Without a head. And lots, and lots of, of natives are picking, picking their, their teeth, teeth with your bones. bones. If you don't do the slide, you're not doing <laughs> If you're not wearing a wig, you're not doing drag. That's... <laughs> can, can you demonstrate the slide one more time for us, please, Robbie? Uh, please, wait. Don't go chasing waterfalls. Please to the rivers and the lakes that you're used from. Is it from being, is it from Hawaii? It feels very like Hawaiian music. Oh, maybe. Like, is that where it comes from? Or is oh. it just kind of get to the note however you can? Are you just saying she yodels through every song? <laughs> she does a little. Well, hello, Jupiter Hollow. I hope you're <laughs> feeling fine. <laughs> Kate Baldwin gave me her ticket to the invited dress. <gasps> um, and there was a massive blizzard that night, right? Uh, and we were like, is it going to happen? It happened. There was an empty seat behind me that should have been Kate's husband, Graham. And um, everything's chugging along, right? And they get to Sunday clothes, like the opening of Sunday clothes. Uh, uh, and she has to say something and screws up. She completely goes up and she turns to the audience, invites dress, full house. It's been pandemonium since since the lights dimmed. Like the o- overture didn't even start, and we were all screaming. It was bag heaven. So she <laughs> turns to us all and she goes, "I'm sorry, folks. It's this goddamn bag." Oh, and I, she yes. like <laughs> lifts up her handbag because she's got all those business cards she's passing around everywhere, and she just got lost. Whatever. And then second act, less lines, and she and David Hyde Pierce get turned around, and and they're saying each other's lines to each other, and she goes, "I'm so so sorry." And then she just turns to us and mouths, goddamn bag, while holding the bag, brought the place down. <laughs> yeah, she's brilliant. It Literally to this day, anytime Ian has a tote bag, he just says, this goddamn bag. Goddamn bag. Yeah. Well, tell him I was there. <laughs> I love I her. saw it in the fifth row on the eye. I loved her in it. I loved <laughs> so Several times. Oh, she was great. Oh, go ahead. No, I love her live performances is all I was going to oh. say. I just love everything that she does have you seen the one it's like a tv special from the 70s where she emerges from a a, a clam right a shell in oklahoma and she sings yes. oklahoma and everyone's <laughs> in hawaiian garb and it makes no sense and she's playing the, doing like the bocce balls right yeah why can't we do stuff like that today if, if they were going to remake this movie today and it's Oof, so hard to stupid. replace these three one they'd be stupid because these three women play brilliantly off of each other yeah. brilliantly off of each other who would you want to see take over and it doesn't have to be like the predictable choice it doesn't have to be like of course you know kate mckinnon's going to be in there you know mm-hmm. uh, this is weird but i think tiffany haddish as brenda like that role would be interesting to me like seeing her go from kind of a little down on her luck to she's got the same sort of like brashness as bet midler i think oh, it'd be i feel interesting. 
I feel like a J- Jane Krakowski would be Elise, right? Yes, for sure. Because of that, she's got she knows how to do that ridiculous, but also like put a heart into Genuineness, it. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Diane Keaton would be the hard one. She's almost irreplaceable. Because Diane, Diane Keaton. Because oh, like yeah. Jane, uh, Alice and Janie is my go-to for everything, but I don't oh. think, but I don't think she's I don't think she's right. She's not. She could never be as neurotic. Would they put She's the never that in? Insecure. Who'd you say? Oh God, Allison Janney. Oh, you said Al- okay, Allison Janney. But I she's was... too self-possessed. But what about mm, Melissa McCarthy? As host. Well, I was she's a Brenda. I was going to say she's a Brenda. Maybe you move Tiffany Haddish to Elise. Yeah. But but then who's who? So wait, who does Diane Keaton today? Who is that neurotic? Yeah, I don't know. But it's so charming. Ellie Kemper? She's, well... Neurotic, but charming. She's a little young. Is, is that even... Oh, you know who it would be? Tony Collette. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. what a I great idea. Mm-hmm. Okay, what a great idea. Yeah. All right, and can, can we agree that the Stalker Channing character will just be Christine Baranski? <laughs> yes. Good work, Kalinda. Good work, Kalinda. That's my no, Christine. No, no. no. she dies. That's my <laughs> favorite. Christine Baranski in Holiday, or Christmas on the Square. When the nine-year-old bartender like has her come to Jesus moment. So sorry. Do no, you mean no, gotta get no. out of the town? <laughs> gotta get out of the place. Um, we haven't talked about uh, Diane Keaton's hair as it goes crazy when she uh, screams about how sorry she is. Yes. <laughs> An excellent gif if you ever need to send some send one. <laughs> if you ever need to apologize. <laughs> Oh, I gotta find that. I'm gonna. Such I'm gonna, a good breakdown. <laughs> it's an, what? Let me ask you. What are some of your favorite breakdowns in movie history? Oh, uh, Steel Magnolias, uh-huh. Sally yeah. Field. Uh-huh. It's oh. genius. Right before here hit Slap Weeza. Yeah, right before yeah. Olympia Dukakis. Uh-huh. Ian gets mad. Really... Ian gets mad because I'm memorizing it for when our dog passes away. <laughs> well, I mean, I have time because he's only three and a half, but. I just, I want to be able to do it from the heart. So I want to be off book. You're so good. <laughs> you're so good. This is why he's a fucking professional, folks. I hope your students appreciate you. Do you- Oh, that got me. I feel like all of my favorite breakdown scenes are just Tony Collette on screen. Oh, just like a, a Tony Collette sizzle reel breaking down. It's like, yes, 100%. Here's her weeping in Sixth Sense. Here's her in uh, Hereditary. Here's her weeping through Muriel's Wedding, Act Two. Like, just the yes. many tears of, Mur- of, of Tony Collette. Mm. Some people are better at it, I think. Sally Field and um, yeah. Mrs. Doubtfire has an excellent breakdown The as whole well. time? I'm going to throw in Viola Davis in anything oh, she does. Oh, yeah. Please. Just the snot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, and what more could you want? And you know who I'm also going to throw in? Because I don't think, I have not found a movie where she does not cry in it. It is Julianne Moore. Hudson. Oh. Oh. Julianne Moore cries in every movie, no matter what's going on. If someone can find a movie where she doesn't cry, please let me know. I'm so curious. And she does it so well. Does she do it in a single man? It's at, it's at the credits while the credits are rolling. It's her in the corner. Oh, sweeping. like next to the fireplace. Oh, I'm sorry. That's yeah. called me by your name. <laughs> oh, he's he's also a good crier. He's also oh, yeah. a good crier. He's so good. He's a good crier. Um, okay, so what is it about this movie that still holds up, though, 25 years later? Why do we still gravitate towards this movie? We, yeah. still, we still want the underdog to win. I think mm-hmm. now more than ever, honestly. 
when people are trying to like speak their truth and let whatever's in you out, I feel like it's just as relevant today. And that musical number at the end will always, which is You Don't Own Me. We haven't even said that to the listener yet. Can I tell uh, you a story about You Don't Own Me? Yes. So this movie was choreographed um, by a woman named Pat Birch, mm-hmm. uh, best known for <gasps> yes. directing and choreographing Grease 2. And I said, my God, I said, it's such a fun scene. She goes, oh, you should have been there. We were at two o'clock in the morning. It was freezing. And uh, Diane Keaton couldn't remember the choreography. So Bette Midler, Midler yelled and screamed at her and said, I'm not coming out of my trailer until uh, you do better. And then uh, Diane started crying. Goldie didn't care. She goes, now I've known Bette since the baths. So I walked into that trailer. She goes, I, I didn't even knock. I opened that door. And I said, now you listen to me, Bette Midler. I've known you since the baths. Now stop pulling this shit. We got a budget to stick to. Frozen again, Robert Penn. <laughs> that really got me. And I'm proud to know you. Thank you so much. So, Casey, when, when we asked you to be on the show, you, you could have picked anything. anything. I could have? <laughs> oh, no, I meant, yeah. No, I love this movie. Casey's going to pivot but why to beaches. Do you think, what, what, is, what is it about this film that is inherently queer to you? that makes you say you need to see this movie otherwise you can no longer retain your gay card i think i think it's twofold i think the first thing is that their journey sort of mirrors at least for me sort of mirrors like coming out and coming to terms with yourself mm-hmm. and like fighting through adversity and people that have hurt you and like coming into your own and then i think it's the friendship between the three of them that grows throughout it it feels to me very much like a group of gay friends the different personality types, the way they like love and tease each other and are like nasty to each other at times, but there's always like an undercurrent of love feels to me very gay and very, and and then just the campiness of the writing is so over the top and so delicious. Mm -hmm. I agree with that very much. Uh, One of the things I really like about the movie is I I feel that what they're going through is, is, you know, life has dealt you this hand and for so long in their lives, they just stare looking at the deck that they've been, the, they've been dealt and not moving and wallowing in it until they go, life is too short, enough is enough. We have to live whatever's left of our lives with our own pride and our own dignity. And if these guys don't like it, they can go fuck themselves. Mm-hmm. Which, mm-hmm. I th- which, I, which I really like. I feel like the movie is a wake-up call. Yeah, very, it's very much like a, when life hands you lemons, fuck that, and go out and buy a bottle of vodka and do something better. That's on the T-shirt. Thank you. That's on the fucking T-shirt right there. It's Elisa's T-shirt, but then she throws it away because she gets clean. She gets ideas because she gets... <laughs> I think it's also about, about chosen family, which is really mm. a big thing for me in the gay community. When you're not close to your family or when you don't have that support, where do you find it and how do you build that community? Is how re- Go ahead, sorry. I was going to say, how realistic do you find it that these friends, these were college friends, right, who had not seen each other since college, and they are clearly easily 20 years into the future, and they instantly bond and become best friends again. And do you find that to be a realistic thing? I, you know what? I do. I I feel like I've been in positions where I was very close to people in high school and I was very close to people in undergraduate and then I don't see them for years and years and years and years and then when I see them again, we pick up exactly where we left off and all the warmth that we had 
originally I feel just automatically comes back. So yeah, I do, I do buy that. I do buy that with these women. And I think trauma does it as well. The trauma of the suicide and then each of them is going through something traumatic in their life that I think sort of speeds up that, that process a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think they don't, Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, please, please. They just don't, they don't resolve all, they do have underlying issues that then come to a head during a Billy Porter montage where they slap each other and like find themselves again. But so they don't like completely work through everything that's happened in the 22, 23 years. You're right. right. I, I think if they had not been going through the crisis they were going through, then maybe it wouldn't be the same. But mm-hmm. I think you also have to remember that these three women feel like there's nobody that they can share their pain with. And they think they're the only ones going through it until they realize we're all going through the same situation, which I think also pulls them together. That's what would be interesting on a sequel. I don't know. So, oh, I was just going to oh, answer yeah, this question. Casey, you're a huge fan of this film, and they've tried for years to get several different kind of sequels off the ground. What is your pitch for a sequel to The First Wives Club? Oh, uh, I, you know, it, I might tie it into another guest star sort of milieu of the... Um, Eileen Eckert starred in a sitcom called The Five Mrs. Buchanan's. Right. which no one saw, but I remember from my childhood. I think I might tie it into like what's happening to their offspring. You know, like can tie sort of the children together, the, da- the lesbian daughter, the mm-hmm. Hebrew son, and then whatever Goldie Hawn adopts from some country to get back on the covers of the magazines, but somehow tie the children together where they're c- connected. And then we have the parents in a more like grandparenty sort of role but that's my that's my off the top of my head what the hell are you doing every day i don't know i i just kind of move on eventually you've had 25 years to think of this (laughs) but i think when something's so perfect i don't like to taint it i understand i'm i'm one of the people who did not think this direct needed a sequel and i do not approve of it i know that everybody loves and thinks it's better than the first one but I don't think it's better than the first one. I think it's enjoyable. Flawless. The first one is flawless. It's mm-hmm. fascinating that it was written for Bette Midler. Mm-hmm. And Whoopi gives what I assume is a far superior performance to what Absolutely. Bette Midler would have given. Oh. But, yeah, it doesn't need a sequel. However, do I enjoy watching the sequel? Sure. Can I go back for a quick second on something, if, if you don't Nothing mind? Nothing would make me happier. Because I, I want to make sure that we just appreciate this to, to its fullest extent, because he's a hero, and I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. Can we Elizabeth go back Berkeley. to Bronson Pinchot again just oh, one more please. time for me? Yes. Balky and Perfect Strangers. Uh-huh. Yeah. Who said? He said making this movie was a miserable experience because Bette Midler treated him like dirt, and he said every time the director gave a direction, she would just roll her eyes at him. <laughs> I wanted to ask you guys, I'm so sorry. When this movie came out, it didn't get great reviews. Uh, why, why Why was this not um, a hit with critics? It's It's got such a theatrical sen- uh, sensibility to it. I think if that's not your thing, you're going to write it as off as over the top. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is over the top. Yeah. And if you're not, if you don't buy into it kind of from that first title sequence, then I don't think you're going to be on board. Like Entertainment Weekly gave it a C plus. A C plus. And that is stupid and homophobic. <laughs> Thank you. Why do you think now we're more able to accept this film as opposed to when it first came out? I think a lot, I think a lot of times critics write to what they think the audience wants, you know? Mm-hmm. They, so they're like, this is a movie with three women who are bitter, and that's just kind of like what they're going in right. with. And three so older think, women. Yeah, and so I think yeah. they think they're writing to who their audience thinks they're going to want to tune into. So well, Maggie Smith is in it, so you would think. Yeah. Well, that's oh. the plus. That's right. 
<laughs> it was going to be a scene that we saw Maggie Smith. Casey, now comes our favorite part of this, which is we're going to put you in the hot seat. Oh. We're going to ask you some questions about the First Wives Club. We're going to see how you do. You ready? <clears throat> yes. Yeah. Okay. You feel yeah. good about this? No, yeah, you're, but I'm ready. You're a longtime listener. You know how this goes. We're okay. doing some yes. uh, quote trivia. Well, okay. the first one you should know because we've already talked about it, right? Okay, good. Um, a few Bre times. Brenda says, let's examine the evidence. Look, all bottles and gallon jugs. She says, I had guests. And Brenda says, who? Guns and Roses? One. Thank you. One point for Casey. Uh, oh, I forgot Rob my bell. Rob ding! Robbie, Elise. do you want to take the second one? Yeah, do I? <laughs> Elise, I drink because I'm a sensitive and highly strong person. Brenda, no, that's why you're blank drink. Co-stars. Correct. So good, so good. All right, this is another Elise quote, all right? If only she'd called me. If only I was blank. In the phone book? Listed, oh, listed. Yeah. Listed, listed. That really dates this movie, isn't it? <laughs> if only she called me. If only I was listed. Good job. Yeah. So listener of the book was a book you would get once a year that had everybody's phone number in it in your city. And sometimes if you lived in a very small city, it was a pamphlet. And sometimes if you were in New York City, it was an Encyclopedia Britannica set. An Encyclopedia Britannica was several books <laughs> That are now called Wikipedia. Rob just turned eight shades of red. This is fun to watch for me. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Some people don't know what a phone book is. <gasps> a you know who hates hearing? I sorry. <laughs> sorry. Baldwin hates it when people say to her, "I could listen to you sing the phone book." She hates that. Like, it drives her insane. Well, she well, sends me uh, Marco Polos about it, how much okay. she likes it. It's kind of an it's insult, man. Next time you see her. Right? It's kind of an next insult. Next time you see her, just walk up here and go, I could listen to you sing the phone. It's <laughs> <laughs> just punch you in the Great. face. Where were we? Uh, uh, no more Diane, quotes. Diane, no. Batten, Goldie. Yeah. So Diane Keaton, Bette Midler, and Goldie Hawn are reuniting for a new movie entitled What? I've heard of it, but I don't remember. Are we just making Family it up? Family Jewels. Right, right, right. Not book club. That's already been made. Final question. That's Rob beautiful. Schneider. Okay, Casey. Who was cast as Goldie Hawn's boyfriend, but all his scenes were dropped from the final cut? The great John Stewart. That is correct. Casey, four out of five. I actually crammed last night, so I didn't know that until last night. <laughs> you did so good. Casey, where can, where can people find you on social media? Um, I mean, honestly, Facebook, which is the hardest to access, but I'll be, more, I'll be more active on Twitter after this, I'm sure. Tell us a little bit about your book, though, Small Talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. available on Amazon. 50% uh, of the proceeds go to cancer research charities. It is just a collection of a thousand stupid thoughts, jokes, nonsensical scenes with my husband, etc. Just silly little stuff and nonsense. It's, really it's available funny. on Amazon. It's Amazing. really, really funny. And folks, if you it's can a good go put everyone I know who has it keeps it in the bathroom. So it's a good like bathroom oh, compendium. This has been a delight. It has. Thank you for the invite. Casey, I'm so happy you you, you came by. This is just absolutely wonderful i don't know what we're discussing next time but i can tell you we'll have a new president may i throw out an idea i want to talk about the nanny oh done 
the best pilot I think ever written, The Nanny. Yes. It's just like an excellent pilot. It lays out every relationship, every dynamic. They flipped the house for some reason, but otherwise it's perfect. Like absolutely perfect. I can't fucking wait, but today has been delightful. Thank you, Casey, for giving us the the laughs that we've missed the last two days of a nightmare. Um, I am breaking news. Betsy DeVos just resigned with only 13 days left in her post. Where's she going? To hell if she doesn't pray. Um, (laughs) Casey, thank you so, so much. And we will see you all next time for the nanny. 